Thank you, Margaret. So this morning we're continuing a series looking at some of Jesus' parables that Luke tells us about. Uh, we called it A Twist in the Tale. But before we get into the meat of today's parable, Luke gives us a lot of preliminary information, uh, a bit like the nibbles that are served before a meal. For example, he tells us that Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He's given us the subject of Jesus' teaching. He tells us that as well as the 12 male disciples, there was a significant group of women who were following him too, and he names some of them. These women were supporting Jesus and his mission from their own resources. And like the 12 men, these women had left everything to follow Jesus. Interestingly, these named women were also the ones who were at his tomb on Easter Sunday morning, the first to meet the risen Jesus. It was actually rather scandalous that Jesus included these women in his inner circle, part of his entourage. But it's typical of Jesus with his inclusion agenda, seeking to respond positively and counter the prejudice and discrimination of his death. He tells us that Jesus told the parable whilst a large crowd was gathering. In other words, as the people were coming, Jesus was teaching this crowd, these disciples, these women, to help them realize that as the crowd gathered, not everyone who came would respond positively or as wholeheartedly as they had. But even though not everyone would respond positively, it didn't stop Jesus telling the good news. I don't know how many of you are computer games players or you have children or grandchildren who are, but inside a lot of computer games, there are things called Easter eggs. Not physically, literally, chocolate eggs, but small extra scenes or extra little games that are hidden within the big game. But you have to know the secrets to finding them. Most of us, it just passes by. And Jesus was saying that his parables, or his use of parables, was a little bit like that. Some people just wouldn't get it. He quoted from the days of the prophet Isaiah about people hearing but not understanding, seeing but not realizing. The message is there if you want to find it, if you're ready to listen to it. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. But if you're not ready to listen, if you're not open to God, then a lot of what Jesus was saying would pass you by. If you can't accept his teaching about the kingdom of God, you won't be able to understand all that he's saying and doing. That does feel a little bit tough, doesn't it? But if we find that tough, just imagine how much it breaks God's heart that this is the reality. If something is repeated often enough, we accept it as true. So, even though it may not be. For example, the Bermuda Triangle. You mentioned Bermuda Triangle and you think kind of spooky area of the sea, ships disappearing, all sorts of mysteries. Well, in reality, there are no more shipwrecks or losses 
in the Bermuda Triangle than anywhere else on the oceans. And the parable that we're exploring today, we know as the parable of the sower. In fact, in many of our Bibles, that's the heading you get for it. But it's not the parable of the sower. It's actually about the ground. Maybe it's the parable of the ground. It's not about sower, it's not about the seed, but actually we need to know a little bit about the sower and the seed before we get to explore the ground. First of all, Jesus says a farmer went to sow, and I'm pretty sure the farmer is Jesus. He's talking about responses to his teaching. And when we think about this farmer scattering the seed left and right, you might think he's being a little bit wasteful. Some of the seed doesn't seem to have got a chance, does it? But what we need to understand is how they sowed seed in Jesus' day. A farmer would sow seed left, right and centre and then plough it to turn the soil over to make sure the seed got buried. And hard ground, stony ground, even thorny ground could be ploughed to be made good. There was an opportunity for everybody to respond to Jesus. That's what God wants. But Jesus was recognising in this parable that not everyone does respond, even though they have the opportunity. Whoever has ears to hear, Jesus says, let them hear. If you're not ready to listen, you won't get it. But God's Spirit can plough hard ground, can remove stones, can weed out thorns, if we want to hear. And for me, that's a reminder that we shouldn't limit our sowing, our introducing people to Jesus. We don't know what God will do to turn someone's life around, to turn the ground that may have been hard or stony or thorny into good soil. At the gathering last Sunday evening, we noted how we might just be one link in a chain that God uses to bring someone to a place of faith in Jesus. We might not know the whole link, the whole chain, but we play our part. This is a parable for anyone who is sowing seeds for Jesus. He gave us that commission, didn't he? To go and make disciples. We're sowing seeds. Our job is to be the seed sowers. It's God's spirit at work in people's lives that makes the ground receptive. So what about the seed? Well, Jesus tells us the seed is the word of God. It's God's message. And as I said, we already know the message that Jesus was giving. It's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where God's in charge, where people acknowledge that God is number one. The kingdom of God isn't a place. It's not even technically heaven. The kingdom of God is those who respond to God, those who want to walk with him, to be closer to him. And Jesus 
regularly taught about a kingdom of God being within reach. It's just there if you want it. And he says here that the secret of the kingdom of God had been given to those who were close to him. That's why they were following him. The good news that God's kingdom grows gradually, subtly in human hearts, like seed that is germinating. Sometimes it grows beneath the surface and you can't see it, and then green shoots. The kingdom of God isn't primarily about politics or power or popularity. It's about changed hearts. So with all that in mind, we've had our appetizers. Let's get into the main course. Jesus describes four different places that the seed lands. The first is on the path. And Jesus tells us that the seed there is trampled on by people as they go along the path or eaten by birds. It's hard ground. The seed has no chance until it's been plowed. This seed doesn't get a chance to germinate. And Jesus says that this is like people who hear the good news about the kingdom of God but don't want to respond. They're hard-hearted. Or perhaps they've got a Teflon-coated heart. God's word just doesn't stick. For whatever reason, these people have decided that the message of Jesus isn't for them. Jesus says there are sinister undertones here as well. The evil one will do his best to make sure they don't respond positively to the good news. God, if we're not open to him, if we don't have the ears to hear we'll be easily influenced against him. And Luke has already told us, his readers, about such people. If you go back to chapter 4, Luke tells us about Jesus speaking in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. And he speaks about himself, and he makes some astonishing claims about himself, and the people couldn't accept it. They couldn't accept that Jesus had come to include everybody in his kingdom, everyone who wanted it. So, having decided that this was just the carpenter's son made good, they tried to throw him off a cliff, as you do. People who are hard-hearted. If you don't believe there's a God, and you've already made your mind up that there is no God... When someone talks about God, you're going to be hard-hearted. Maybe right now you're thinking of people with whom you've shared your faith who just aren't interested. Some of you will know the pain of having people like that in your own family and among your friends. Maybe there are people who are happy to be among us, but please don't make me think about Jesus. Don't want any of that religious stuff, thank you very much. Like the ground Jesus describes, their hearts are hard. But Jesus wants us to keep sowing the seed. By our prayers, by our example, by blessing people. Because if they want to, the ground can be plowed and made good. Seeds that lands in the rocky ground or shallow ground at least germinates, but it doesn't last long. 
There's not enough moisture, not enough depth in the ground to sustain that seed in the hot Middle Eastern climate. People for whom there is some sort of response to Jesus, but it's short-lived. Jesus says they're people who fall away from the faith when testing comes. Testing in the New Testament usually means persecution. When people have a go at you for a faith in Jesus. If you've got a shallow faith, if your faith doesn't mean much, when it's tested, you're likely to want to give up. Equally, these are people who've got a preconceived idea about Jesus. This is what it's all about. Please don't, Jesus, make me think more about that. I've got you in a box. Please stay there. Don't break out. Don't make me think. In the preceding chapter, Luke has told us about a Pharisee who had that attitude. He invited Jesus to his house for meal. He wanted to know more. He was interested. But when Jesus identified with the wrong sort of people, he couldn't cope. I wonder if some of the seed that falls in stony ground today might be people who are very happy to be part of church activities but don't want to be committed to Jesus beyond the, well, yeah, I go to that church. Or maybe we can think of people who used to be following Jesus really closely but are now just distant from him. Or maybe even would deny they have a faith. Perhaps the Jesus they thought they were following became too challenging for them and went beyond their own fixed ideas about him. Or perhaps the Jesus they thought they were following wasn't presented as fully as they had hoped and they left disillusioned. Maybe people around them who didn't believe made their life really difficult and awkward and uncomfortable, so they gave up. Like the stony ground, their faith was shallow. So we, well, we keep praying for such people. Keep praying that God's Spirit will revive their interest and their faith. We can always be ready to engage with them, to talk with them, to listen to them. I reckon these are the sort of people who probably won't darken the doors of our church very often on a Sunday. So what space are we making for them elsewhere? So that they still can feel like they belong. So that there's still an opportunity for their stony ground to be ploughed and made good by God's Spirit. Then there's the weedy ground. This seed grew, it germinated, but it grew amongst these weeds and thorns which choked the life out of the plants. Jesus says these are people who are not very mature, spiritually speaking. A variety of different things can stunt their growth. And Jesus talks about trouble and difficulty in life or... The other end of it, <clears throat> pursuit of wealth or short-term pleasures. Things that actually become most important to them. They've put other things in God's place. And again, in the preceding chapter, Luke tells us about people like this. I'm reading a little bit into Luke's narrative, 
when he talks about people he describes as this generation. And as he talks about them, I can kind of imagine him going, oh, this generation. People who are distracted with other things that they think are more important than God. And those things distract them from what's really happening with Jesus. Other things have become more important to them than following him. I wonder if part of the problem lies with us as church. Because I know there are times when we tell people the good news about Jesus, but we only give them some of the story. So the idea they get is, come to Jesus and everything will be wonderful, and we forget to tell them about the cost. And when things aren't wonderful, well, the cost is too great. Especially when Jesus asks us to change our priorities. Because following Jesus isn't so easy when we realise he wants us to tell other people about him and they may not react very well. Following Jesus is not so easy when he asks us to give him control of our bank balance, to use our money in, <clears throat> excuse me, to use our money in ways that prioritise others rather than ourselves. Following Jesus isn't so easy when he challenges our preconceived ideas about him and what he would do. Following Jesus isn't so easy when he challenges our self-centered lifestyle, when he asks us to be servants rather than masters. When our own comfort, when our priorities matter more to us than following Jesus, we find that those things will choke the life out of our faith. part of what we need to recognize and part of what we need to share is to remind people that following Jesus is worth everything. It's worth more than anything that this life can offer. And even though it hurts and even though it costs, it's worth it. I promise you I hadn't planned this. Um, it might look like it's a plan, but it's not mine. I think we're seeing some of God's fingerprints on what we're doing on Sunday mornings because the fourth sort of soil picks up the theme of fruitfulness that we've been exploring since Easter. And the fruitfulness that Jesus talks about here, this hundredfold increase, isn't actually revival with hundreds of people coming into church. It's actually fruitfulness inside us. It's followers of Jesus who are growing in our relationship with Jesus. It's followers of Jesus bearing spiritual fruit. Jesus says such people have a noble and good heart. Perhaps a better translation of that is such people are wholehearted, single-mindedly committed to Jesus. Such people not only hear what God is saying to them, they retain it. It becomes part of their life. Not only do they retain it, Jesus says they persevere, or, or more accurately, they are patient as that grows within them. They bear fruit. And interestingly, in his gospel to this point, Luke has given us loads of examples of this sort of person. He's told us about a Roman centurion who Jesus said had more faith than he'd seen in the whole of Israel. 
He's told us about Levi, the tax collector, who found acceptance in Jesus and left everything to follow him. He's told us about a woman who was so devoted to Jesus that she broke all the protocols and anointed Jesus' feet at the shallow-hearted Pharisee's house. And he's told us that there are 12 men and committed women who left everything to follow him. They were wholehearted. I guess we'd all like to think of ourselves in this category, wouldn't we? Wholehearted followers of Jesus. Allowing his spirit to bear fruit within us. And yes, that's what we want. That's what God wants. He wants to bear that spiritual fruit that we find in Galatians 5 and we've explored since Easter. If you want some ideas on fruitfulness, have a look at those sermons that are still on our website. But I want to offer one final thought. It goes back to the scattering of the seed on all of the different ground. Remember, the ploughing happened after the seed was sown. All of the ground had the chance to be good soil. But someone still has to sow the seed. If there's no seed, there's no fruit. And Jesus commissions us to carry on his act of sowing, of making disciples. Just for a moment, I want you to pause and think about the people that you will meet this week and ask God to help you to sow seeds in their life. His spirit will plough the ground if they want him to. But we are asked to show, sow the seeds. In a moment, we come and share bread and wine. As we do, let's think about the sort of ground we are. Asking God's Spirit to help us to be fruitful soil, but also asking him to reveal to us where perhaps we need some ploughing. And in our hearts and in our minds, we bring with us to this table those whom we know who have hard hearts, shallow hearts, troubled hearts. And we bring them into the presence of God and pray for them. Let's pray now. Jesus, this parable is about the people we know and love, the people with whom we work, the people we'll meet this week. We pray, help us to be your farmers, sowing seed. And we pray that your spirit will find that they have ears to hear. He will be able to plough the ground, that that seed will be sown and germinate in such a way that it will bear spiritual fruit in their lives too. In our mind's eye, we picture these people, their faces. Lord Jesus Christ, send your spirit into their lives to make them ready to receive the seeds that you will sow. Amen.